John, good morning. If you'd like to join me, I'm reading out of Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46. Jesus prays on the Mount of Olives. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Thank you, Keith. Well, let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that you want to speak to us. You want to speak to us words of comfort, of encouragement, and of love. Lord, help us to hear that message today as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So raise your hand if you like going to the doctor. Kids? All right, a couple. A couple like going. Maybe you get a, a lollipop when you go, huh? There's some incentives sometimes given, but most of us don't like to go to the doctor. We don't like it when it's our turn either. Sometimes we might take someone to the doctor, but when it's our turn, it feels a little different. Uh, it's kind of an act of surrender. Um, my dad, he, uh, he was a pastor for many years, and uh, it was his turn to sit in the hospital bed when he got diagnosed uh, about six years ago with some, some cancer. And I remember visiting with him in the hospital room. He said, Rob, he goes, I've done hundreds and hundreds of visits to hospital rooms, right? I've come, I've had the verse prepared. I knew exactly about how long to stay. <laughs> he goes, but Rob, when you're the one in the bed, it's totally different. <laughs> when you're at that moment of surrender, when it's your turn to say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what these doctors are doing. <laughs> but I am completely vulnerable right now. You've got to give that surrender. When it's your turn, what prepares you for that? You know, where we're at right now in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is preparing for that. He knows what's coming. There's a verse in Hebrews 4.15 that says that Jesus understands our weaknesses. He had the same trials as we have, yet he faced them without sin. He faced them without sin. He surrendered to God's will. So let's look at the scripture here today. What prepares Jesus for that? And so in the opening it says that he accompanies his disciples this is right after they had their last supper together. And accompanied by his disciples, they left that supper. And it says they went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. 
And a lot of times the scripture shows that as usual, Jesus went to a place to pray. And here he tells his disciples, prepare, get ready by praying right now. This gospel is unique to the rest in that it actually tells the disciples to do this. And then Jesus follows by example. You see what he does? He too, he kneels down and he prays. He's preparing. He's surrendering. And proper preparation for persecution, for life, because life will bring trouble, as it's promised, proper preparation for that is to, as usual, be filled up on prayer, right? To be connected, to be ready. And Jesus is an example of that. As he was sharing with his disciples at the Last Supper, he told them, I'm your example. In verse 27, he says, I've come as one not to seek my own will, but he says, I've come to be one who serves. I am here as one who serves. As he washes their feet. He's showing them that he's about to be, he's about the will of the Father and not his own will. And I love how it sounds kind of simple. It can be hard, but still simple. This prayer thing. As an athlete, I think about what these athletes do in the fourth quarter of a ball game. It blows my mind how they can jump above the rim and grab the rebound and dunk it. And go, wow, I wonder what tip they would give me in the fourth quarter. Rob, you know, just jump up really high and dunk. You know, that's extraordinary. I can't do that. And yet, something I've learned in athletics is that the reason those athletes get to that point because they did a lot of ordinary things an extra amount of times, right? And I think Scripture showing us here that as an example, we can do ordinary things an extra amount of times in order to do some wonderful, wonderful things. I know Jesus looks like a superhero here. And what he's able to do is he goes to the cross with joy and in fellowship with his Father. He submits and he obeys. And yet he's also an example of surrender. As Hebrews says, he faced the same things we faced. And so, we'll go to the next verse here. Verse 42. This is a beautiful prayer. Look how it's bookended on both sides. He still makes a petition, doesn't he? But look at how it's bookended on both sides. With these words, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He's asking God the Father to reign in his life. And we think about the nature of sin. The definition of sin is anything that violates the will of God. And it's amazing that in this prayer, he's saying, God, here is my petition. And yet I am surrendered to your will.
you know, it can turn into semantics <laughs> if you have to say, if your will, your will, your will, between, <laughs> before and after every petition you make to the Lord, okay? But we're, what we're really looking at is a heart attitude. And sometimes I think we can even sin in prayer to say, God, my will be done <laughs> on earth as it is in my expectations, right? And I just wonder what God thinks about those prayers. You know, does, does God, does, does the light of heaven really break forth and, and, and flood to bring to reality those kind of prayers? No, that's the vending machine attitude, isn't it? Right? Father, my will be done. I'm glad he doesn't answer those. I've gotten exactly what I've wanted sometimes and been miserable. There's been times I've been extremely comfortable and not at peace. What is it that you really want? I want to be able to go through a brick wall and have peace. And I see it in other people's lives. I saw it in my dad's. He said, you know what? We're fighting stage four cancer here, and yet I'm at peace. And, and, and I struggled. I said, God, I think you're letting my dad down. You're letting him get sick. But then I thought to myself, who am I to make that claim for my dad? So I asked him, Dad, do you think God's letting you down? He said, no. Because where the trial is increasing, God's grace is matching it. I'm good, Rob. I said, all right. Who am I to stand in place and say, you're letting my dad down? When my dad is praising hallelujah, when he's surrendered and on stable ground, my dad's all right. By the way, God did heal him. He is healthy. It did come back last July, and now it's gone again. Praise God. But that's not where the confidence is rooted. You see that? It's not like my dad had to take a break between his, when he could have a good day again. He didn't have to wait to say, God, until my will be done, <laughs> I'm going to be grumpy. <laughs> no. He had the love and the joy and the peace and the fruit of the Spirit in his life. I think that's what we want. Let's not be a comfortable yet miserable church, right? That's selling out for what God wants for us. Let's keep watching Jesus here. Jesus knows what's coming. We'll go to the next verse. Back in verse 22, he told his disciples, it's been determined that the Son of Man must die. Whew. That's quite a diagnosis. So he knows suffering's coming. And Jesus is pouring out his heart. As human as it was, he was pouring out his heart. He was fully God, but fully man. Like the psalmist, there's 150 chapters of pouring out one's heart to the Lord. That is a good thing to do. One of the psalms even says, pour out your heart before him. We're to do that. Anger, frustration, confusion, terror, Pour out your heart before him. And Jesus does that. 
You see in this verse, he does that with agony. He pours it out to the Lord. He doesn't give God the silent treatment. And he doesn't believe that God will be silent to him. He says, God, this is what's on my heart. And I expect an answer. The answer might not be the solution you're looking for, but you can expect to hear back from God, especially as you're seeking Him in prayer and seeking His Word, saying, God, what is true about this situation? I need to know because my feet are not on solid ground. You cry out to the Lord in that. I also love the answer that we're seeing already in Jesus' praying. You see how the angel came and made everything easy for Jesus? No. An angel came and strengthened Jesus, strengthened his resolve. And you see in the scripture here, he prayed even more fervently. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I think there's something, as I think about manhood, I just latch onto that. Now, he's not backing down. And I think that's part of womanhood too, to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to keep going. We're going to be even more fervent. He was strengthened, not in necessarily an easier situation, but you see something going, inside, going on inside of Jesus here. That God has even given him strength to pray even more fervently in this moment. Jesus filling up the bucket of his soul so that when life is about to hit him in the face, the right stuff is going to spill out. Specifically, his blood shed in love on the cross. So he's filling up his bucket with the Lord. It says that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. This guy is getting intense and focused. And might I add, unstoppable. <laughs> he's finding so much power and strength in surrendering his will. From what I've learned about 12-step programs, a key to their success is an attitude of surrender. To say, I am powerless to do this on my own strength. And I believe that there is a God who can intervene. And I surrender to that God. And that program doesn't work for people with pride because they don't take those steps then. They say, I got to prove it. I got to do it. And they go in the same thinking that's led them back to it again and again. You know, I think of pride as the opposite of surrender. You ever thought about the worst sins out there? Sometimes we go to whether it be some of the hardest-hitting drugs or sexual immorality. But, but the Bible talks most about the sin of pride. It's as demonic as it comes. It's the essence of the fall of Satan. It is one of the primary colors that shades any other sin that displeases God. And the opposite of that is surrender. A surrender that's filled with faith. That's a primary color of pleasing God. 
and shades any act of obedience is a surrender and a faith in God. As Scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So here Jesus is surrendering. The account in Mark 14 adds that his soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. You will never have a worse day than Jesus. There will never be anything more unfair in your life than what happened to the King crucified. And the problem of evil is people wonder, God, why is there suffering in the world? An even more powerful question is, why did Jesus suffer for the world? Jesus is about to be denied. He's about to be betrayed. He is about to be crucified. And he does so, as Hebrews says, with the joy set before him. I want some of that. Don't you? Do you want to be the, the Christian who has to have calm seas? in order to shout hallelujah? Or you want to be the Christian that knows, like Paul, even in shipwreck, it's going to be all right. Because the captain of the universe is who I am calling upon for strength. Uh, next slide, please. Here's one commentary. I liked how they put it. Talked about the, the importance of this moment. If Jesus had skipped the Garden of Gethsemane, he might have skipped the cross. In a way, Jesus died on the cross in this moment. It's where he made the decision to go through with this. It says, Jesus' struggle on the Mount of Olives is presented by Luke as the watershed in the passion narrative, the critical point at which faithfulness to the divine will is embraced definitively in the strenuousness of prayer. Now I'm ready to show you one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It's what God does. Someone's filled up. <laughs> And we're going to turn now here to the strength of prayer. I guess not yet. We got one more person. Like. So here it says, At last Jesus stood up, returned to his disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted with grief. And he says, Why are you sleeping? He asked. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. And then now we'll move along. And the strength of surrender. Look at this guy. In John 18, we see how Jesus emerges from this time of prayer. So in 18, we see a big mob charging at Jesus with clubs and spears, and they are set on killing him. And look at how Jesus reacts to that. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. 
So he shrank back and ran away and prayed, God, why aren't you doing what I wanted? No. It says, he stepped forward to meet them. He says, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied with some famous Old Testament words, I am. When he said that, look at how this verse ends. They drew back and fell to the ground. These guys were like, we were going to go ambush an unsuspecting Jesus. He is ready for us. <laughs> they probably thought that they were going to die. <laughs> right? When the person you're ambushing is ready for you, you're kind of like, uh-oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> they draw back and fall to the ground. And I love the words he uses to say, I am. I like to think that the power of those words pushed creation to its knees. <laughs> he understood who he was in his identity as the Son of God. I think there can be a parallel in that. As a child of God, being rooted in your identity, that you are a daughter or a son of the I Am. When you're rooted and planted in that, I think the enemies of darkness shudder, don't you think? And don't you think the enemy tries to draw you away from that identity? Saying, well, you're a Christian, yeah, you're surrendering to God, but hey, let's, let's hedge your bets here a little bit, right? Complete surrender. It's the safest place to be. Anything, any hedging of bets, it's not an addition. You can only be 100% of something. So anything else you add in there is blinding you from being 100% God's child. 100% surrendered in obedience to Him. I think we got one more verse here. It says, once more they asked, he asked them. He didn't let up. Now they're on the ground. And he asked again, who are you looking for? I bet with quivering voice, they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. He says, I told you, I am. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. I think that's beautiful. Bold as a lion even as he's led to the slaughter as a lamb. Hebrews 12 mentions that we are to take this example of Jesus' suffering, that we are to run our race with endurance set before us by fixing our eyes on what Jesus did. That for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Therefore, we should not become weary and give up. So church, don't be afraid to go to the doctor. Don't be afraid of what life is going to toss your way. There's people out here living out testimonies. 
on our prayer page. They're living it out. They come back to me with a sparkle in their eye and they're saying, God's matching grace with the trial, Pastor. And I say, that's wonderful. The church needs to hear that. The church needs to know that we have a God who listens and responds and strengthens and that we can lean into that and surrender to God. We can find strength in that to allow Him to reign in our life. There's peace in that. And there's a temptation not to surrender. There's a temptation to self-exalt ourselves. Say, we can, I can do it. I can do it. Or even in the small things. We pray the big ones, but what about the small things? Saying, no, God, I, I can get to work safe today. I don't need to pray for safety. I don't need to. What does that say? In everything, in prayer and petition, submit your request to God. God will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus and peace, church. Next week, we're going to look at Peter. Peter's watching this example of Jesus. And I think it's encouraging. It doesn't click for him right away, just like it doesn't click for me right away. (laughs) He denies Jesus three times. And Jesus says, okay, you're done for good. I'm not putting up with you anymore. No, he doesn't say that. He predicts Jesus, Peter would fall, but he predicts Peter will rise back up again and say, when you do, strengthen your brothers. And Acts begins with the leadership of Peter, who's bold as a lion. And we're going to look at that transformation next week, that we would also take heart, recognize what the Holy Spirit can do through a man or a woman fully surrendered to him. Who here wants to be that man or woman? Say amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that it embraces the messiness of life, the realities of pain and suffering and death, Lord. For the gospel says that Jesus died. But I thank you also that it points to hope, to redemption, in the words that Jesus Christ then raised from the dead to live forever. Lord, we as your church are called to take up our cross daily to share the sufferings of Christ that we might also share in his glory. So Holy Spirit, strengthen your church today. Let them see surrender in a new and beautiful way. Fill us with the fruit of your Spirit. Lord, anchor us no matter what happens around us. Lord, we trust your will. In Jesus' name, amen.